0: Amen. Thank you so much, team. You can be seated. And if you'd like to turn in the Bible to the book of Ephesians, we'll go there in just a moment. Today, I'm excited about the final part of our love song series. The only part I'm not excited about is that it's the end of the series and we don't get to do this anymore, but we do have another love song coming up. Um, but before we get there, I wanted to walk through a few principles with you that I hope will help enhance your relationship so if you're new to the church or you weren't here the last couple weeks we've been walking through what it looks like from god's perspective for us to love one another particularly zooming in on what romantic love is supposed to be all about so we understand that love overall is one of the tools that god has given us to understand our relationship with him and every kind of human love demonstrates an aspect of that so all types of love are important friendship love, family love, we're looking at romantic love, all right? So bonding together in holy marriage is one way that we can begin to understand the totality of God's love, and what we learn in the Scripture is that something about marriage is mysterious. Something about marriage brings together all the other types of love into one relationship, and when you experience a healthy marriage, you're experiencing something akin to to the way God loves us, okay? So it's, it's, it's an interesting study, whether you're married or not, it's, it's interesting to say, well, Lord, if you've given us marriage as a picture of what your love is like, then I want to understand what that picture's saying, okay? So uh, when something is called holy, by the way, it means that it's set apart as special, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that the reason we should value marriage relationships, the reason we should keep our marriages pure is because they are set apart to mean something special in God's economy. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's sad when you see people cheapening marriage or people walking away from marriage, people not even trying for marriage or not valuing it, say, no, God has set this apart, this kind of relationship as holy, and that's why it's so valuable. We, we want to find out, Lord, in what way is it supposed to be special? So today what I hope to do is not only kind of reprise some of the themes we talked about in the last couple of weeks and just lay out the case for what marriage actually is, but today I'd like to give you some tools that you can use to actually build your relationships, whether you're married today or maybe you intend to be married in the future, or maybe you find yourself in a coaching or counseling type role with other people who are working through their relationship issues, I hope that no matter where you're sitting or starting from today what you'll walk out of this room with is something really practical that will help you um, not only navigate your own relationships, but also help others uh, navigate theirs, okay? So a couple weeks ago, we looked at this verse, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, and we learned that God created sex, marriage, and romantic love. He wants us to honor it, and it is one of the most valuable gifts that He's given to human beings, Okay, so all these things matter to God. Uh, God is the, in the, in the inventor of all of this, and so we'd say, Lord, before I go out and do all this my way, I'm looking up to heaven and saying, Lord, how, how do you want me to use these amazing gifts, and, and how do you want me to organize my life according to the relationship pattern or blueprint that you have uh, for life? So we're going to look at Ephesians 5 for a little bit and read some very specific directions that God gave to households, starting with the... The, sort of the prime relationship in any household and that is the husband and the wife okay so after the book of Ephesians has talked to the people about their character and their sense of following Jesus and what it means in, in the context of a church to be humble and loving and caring then he says now let's zoom in on households because that's where the rubber meets the road right it's kind of easy to you could you could probably fake being a Christian while you're at church right You kind of sing the songs and smile at people and everybody think you kind of blend in. But wow, when you go home and you face the pressures of real life, your actual self is on display, right? And you can try to hide it, but eventually the pressure of home is going to bring that out of you. And so that's why if your faith is real, it has to be faith that's lived at home. So we start in verse 21, and further. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this is further than what? Well, further than all the things that were said before about grace and humility and holiness and you know living for Christ in every context they're in. And he says, be thankful in all circumstances for, as you're walking with Jesus and keep living that way. And further, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is, instead of putting yourself first, recognize that you're here to serve other people you're here to love other people and where is that commitment tested the most at home right when it comes to wife husband parent child that's when that's when you find out how your service actually works And how submitted you are to other people versus saying, I'm really just in this for me. So then he breaks it down. He says, well, what does it mean for us to live that way? Verse 22, for wives, it means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to, prevent, to, to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we're members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So, again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Hey, and then the text goes on to talk about how that would work with parents and children and other, in other relationships, but we're going to zoom in on the marriage relationship and say, well, how would we actually live out those principles? If, if you're supposed to be able to look at the person you're married to, uh, or if you're single right now and you're thinking someday you might be married, you, you're going to eventually look at someone and have to decide, am I willing to set myself aside and love that person first? Am I willing to submit to that person instead of thinking my life is all about me and my happiness and getting my way and having my dreams come true? Am I willing to step outside of that and go in with someone else when I know my task as a Christian is now going to be to put their life first ahead of mine? Okay, it's a... a, Big commitment on our wedding day, so this is my wedding day, and I'm so glad I found the right one for me. That's Melissa, my wife. If you haven't met her, and uh, when when we were married, and we're standing there at the altar, and you know various people were involved. Actually, Pastor Dell was one of the people who helped officiate my wedding all those 20, almost 20 years ago. And uh, when we were, um, when I was making that commitment to Melissa, I thought I knew what I was committing to. I think we all probably imagine that we know what it means to be loved for a lifetime and sickness and health and richer or poorer and then those things actually start to happen right over the years that follow and you go wow so this is what it meant when for for like sicker not sicker and poorer. Sometimes that's probably it's just sicker and poorer. As, as, that, as that starts happening to you, you go, okay, now the commitment side of this comes into play. At the beginning, it's all feels like roses and flowers and fun. And, and it feels like, wow, the, just the romantic feeling is going to go on forever. But one day you're tested in that, right? And that's when that commitment comes through. And that suddenly those verses take on a new light. When you're looking in going, wait a minute, I have to set myself aside. I have to put the other person first. And then for husbands, you know, we have to love our wives the way that Jesus loves the church, which is all-out, complete, sacrificial love. So that's, that's a tall order, right? So, uh, to me, the, the number one verse that will make a marriage healthy is verse 21. She said, in fact, what makes a marriage a Christian marriage versus a marriage of Christians? I think it's verse 21, uh, the, the way that you follow Jesus as you get married is actually not all that different than the way you follow Jesus in other relationships, where you're you're setting yourself aside and putting the other person first. But marriage takes that to a whole nother level, right? Because now it's going to be day in and day out. There's no escape. There's no pause. There's no like handoff. Go well. I'm done with this. I don't think I can handle that anymore. I've got to take a break. No, marriage is all in for your whole life, and so. So further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is, you love Jesus and you say, now I'm making my commitment to this other person and I'm not intending ever to break that commitment. So when we look at this from a guy's perspective and a lady's perspective, it comes into some focus to say, well, how would we do it? And Paul helps us with that answer because he says, for wives, here's what it means. For husbands, here's what it means. I want to walk you through that but maybe in a little bit more of a practical sense with some ideas of how we can actually put this into practice. Okay, so this way when you're listening to love songs on the radio or your, your, your special song comes on and uh, you look each other in the eyes or whatever, you say, you know, it's not just about the warm fuzzies we feel, it's actually about the fact that we've made this commitment and I, and I would give anything for my spouse. I would give up my dream, or I would give up my hobby, or I would do, I would do whatever it takes. And, and here's the beauty of it. If both spouses are living that way, you have an amazing relationship. Now, admittedly, it's really difficult if one person is selfish and the other person is trying to live this way. That, that's, a, that's a challenge to walk through, to pray through, to get coaching and counsel through. Uh, but here, as we're setting this up, saying what did God intend? What he intended was two people becoming one. The, the, the man leaves his father and mother, he's united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, in every way, you're now united. Okay, so your success is their success. There's no separation anymore, um, th- not from God's perspective. So, we still have to live with the mess of our lives, right? So, it's, so we start with the ideal and we say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to need a lot of help to get from where I, where I am right now and how I feel right now all the way to that place that you're calling me to be. So let's walk, walk through it. First, we'll talk to the guys, okay? Your main task, guys, it's really simple. All you have to do is love her the way Jesus loves you. That's it. You do that, you win. That's it. That's success right there. Define the win, check mark. Now, the more you learn how Jesus loves you, the more you start realizing there are a few layers to this. This is a lifetime pursuit. This is not something that you'll get done this Saturday and check it off and move on back to the golf course or whatever. No, this is, this is a lifetime uh, pursuit of learning how to love your wife the way that Jesus loves you. So you might ask, how does Jesus love me? You know, he's patient with me. He's providing for me he's protecting me he cares for me Uh, he gives me second chances he knows my faults but he cares about me anyway Uh, there's a lot you could make a long list of the way Jesus loves you say all right that list that's my job now when I turn to my wife so here's a few ideas for loving her well okay just to make it as simple as possible here's here's the way I think of it number one set a goal to make her feel loved by you every day Hey, One of the things that's interesting about um, the, when, when he speaks specifically to wives and husbands in Ephesians there is when he looks at the husbands, he says, Husbands, your job is to love your wife. Now, is, is your job also to give up your own self for your wife? Well, sure. Is your job also to be respectful to your wife? Of, of course, but something about you displaying love, real love to your spouse is, is part of what you need to do as a man, but it's also part of what they need to receive as a woman. They need to know that they're loved by you. And so you might say as a guy, uh, okay, I'll take that challenge. I, I just want to make sure every day she knows that I love her. I heard about a guy one time that never said I love you to his wife. He's never said it. He said, well, I told her the day we got married. If anything changes, I'll let her know. You know, that's probably not the right way to play it, guys. We, we need to make sure we, we're reaffirming our love day in and day out in the way that we act and the way that we touch and the way that we say things and the attitude we maintain. In every way, we want her to know we're still choosing her, we're still loving her, and, uh, and that's part of, uh, part of what we get to do for our whole lives, okay? So you can either take that as a burden or you can take that as a blessing. It's up to you. I would say take it as as an experiment to go explore because you're never going to know how you can show love to your wife until you try and so you spend your whole life exploring ways to show how much you love her. Okay, here's one way to do that. Take quality time to listen to her rather than jumping ahead to solve practical problems. Any guys with me on this one? It would be easier if they would just let us solve the problems, right? I would love that if melissa would just come to me and say here's a list of problems can you fix them and i would say yes and we would be done and that would be and then we could move on Uh, but you know part of part of the give and take of the relationship is sometimes the problem isn't actually the problem sometimes the the problem to solve is actually that she really wants to communicate with you so you take the time to listen and before jumping in to try to fix what's wrong you just say honey i want to hear you i want to hear what's really going on And uh, and that's one way you set yourself aside. And sometimes, guys, that means we're setting our clock aside, setting our schedule aside and saying, you know what, I'm I'm here for you. You're my first priority relationship. So everything else would ultimately be secondary. Uh, Hey, let me sit down and listen. Or if it just can't happen right now, let's schedule a time we can actually spend time together in a concentrated way and I will listen. So it's just a way of thinking where you're you're setting aside yourself and putting them first. A third idea is find out if there are any open tabs you can close. All right, so um, you think about in, in a, on your phone if you, I don't know, if you navigate down to the bottom and sometimes it shows you how many open tabs you have. I don't know what your record is, but sometimes, sometimes it'll say like 200 tabs you know, are somehow open. You know? And then I'll look at my computer screen And occasionally it looks something like this, where there's just windows and tabs all over the place, and a whole bunch of things are open and left undone, and I left it open because it wasn't quite finished, or I didn't have time to deal with it, but I don't want to click off of it yet because I know I need to get back to it, and wow, life can get kind of complicated, right? So one thing I've noticed is that as a guy, I tend to be able to just focus on one window that's open at a time, one tab, and not care that there's a whole bunch of other stuff to do. Um, I'll just, mul- like to me, multitasking is there are multitasks. I'm going to do one of them. Um, well, so women a lot of times are wired differently than that. Um, and so for Melissa, one of the things I've learned is that when the screen of life looks like that to her, uh, she's balancing a whole bunch of worries and concerns at once as I'm happily going on my way doing one thing. And one real, one way I've found that I can serve her is just help her click the little red X's on the things to get rid of the stuff that doesn't need to be there, which might be, sad to admit it, sometimes I am actually the open windows that are still on her screen, things I said I would do, things that I promised, things that I said, oh yeah, I'll handle that, or I'll make that call, or I'll do that function, or I'll make that ride happen. And you know, wow, as life goes on, those things can accumulate. It's not bothering me a whole lot, but it's really bothering her. So one way I can set myself aside and sort of step into her thinking and love her well is just say, honey, and I, I sometimes will actually say it this way. I'll say, honey, are there any open windows that I can help close? And now that we know what that means together, we have that same language, she'll, she'll have a list. Like if I ask for it, there will be open windows. Um, and it will be anything from, you know, literally the honey to-do list around the house. But usually it's other things like that. It's, you know, it's, it's other things that are sort of weighing on her. Um, and so I'll just say, hey, we're partners in everything in life. And so if there are things that are stressing her out or filling up her, you know, not, not allowing her to be able to be focused, uh, I, I'm willing to step in and help with that. Okay? So fourth idea to love her well is to be the, the spiritual fire starter in your relationship. So a, a recurring challenge that I notice lots of married couples um, is when I look at it from a pastoral perspective and see sort of how they roll, how they're functioning. A lot of times it seems like the wife kind of dragging the husband forward a little bit it's not that the husband doesn't want to follow jesus or you know isn't willing to make a commitment it's just a lot of times the husband's got for whatever reason other priorities other things going on and the wife usually is the one saying honey you know hey we really should go to church or wow it'd be nice if we did something with the kids or so so here's the way you could love her well make sure they flip that paradigm over and you be the one who initiates the things that need to happen. Like you already know what they are. It's not rocket science, but just decide, you know what? Hey, I'm gonna step forward and not wait for my wife to remind me. I'm I'm gonna be the person that pushes forward on some of these things. Uh, So here's a couple ideas. Might be starting important conversations. Okay, so if you know you need to talk about something, guys, a great way to love for well is to say, hey honey, I know we need to talk about issue X. I'd like to schedule a time for us to do that. Hey, just be the one that brings it up, um, especially if it's a spiritual thing where you might say, you know what, I feel like in our, in our relationship, we need to invite God to be a part of things a little bit more. We need to pray together or read the Bible together. Great, You, you bring that up, and, uh, and that's a great way to show love for her. Uh, set mission priorities. Okay, so when you think about the mission of your household, the things that need to be accomplished, you know, take some proactive steps to set the priorities and decide to first take the first step into those. Uh, encourage her spiritual growth Um, so she's probably if she's a just this isn't I don't want to overgeneralize I know everybody has different scenarios but my experience has been oftentimes the wife is encouraging the husband's spiritual growth but it's not exactly going the other direction so guys we get to pick up our side of that equation and say okay if she's encouraging me uh, I want to encourage her Uh, Invite her to church activities. So you you know maybe you're the one that says, "Hey, I think we should join life group or go to a learning elective or take advantage of parents' night out this week and go do something together." Like you're the one that starts. You're the initiating uh, factor in that. Uh, Offer to read the Bible or to pray for her, Uh, just so that she knows like you're you're there with her and you want to carry things forward. Okay, last one for guys. Uh, What you did to what you did to get her, keep doing that. So go all the way back to the beginning of your relationship and think about what it was you did that made her fall in love with you. Say, so I'm not sure how I pulled that off, right? Because it was not a good deal for her, <laughs> but, but she made the deal and now you have to look, go back and you say, all right, what was it? Was I communicating a lot? Probably. Uh, was I giving her, you know, attention and gifts and care? Yeah, I probably was. Uh, was I putting her needs first above my own? Was, was I prioritizing our relationship? Yeah, I probably was. So in that context, she fell in love with you. So now, fast forward a few years, that's still what you're supposed to do, okay? You don't want her to be looking back going, man, I, I didn't get a good deal out of this. No, be a good deal. Be the guy that keeps, keeps loving uh, long after the, the wedding vows are set. All right, so there's more to say on that, obviously. This is kind of a, this is an overview. What I'm encouraging you to do is start praying about this and just read Ephesians 5 and say, zoom into your part of it and say, Lord, how can I do this in my marriage? Uh, Or if you're looking forward to marriage or maybe you're in some sort of a challenging scenario regarding your marriage, you say, Lord, in the context I'm in, how do you want me to apply these verses either in my current life or into what you would call me into in the future? Okay, Ladies. Uh, How can you love him well? Well, it starts with the same commitment to love the way Jesus loved, the same kind of agape love where you set yourself aside and you put the other person first. Of course, it always is going to start with that, all right? But then, for ladies, there's some specific direction. It's interesting, in verse um, 22 and then also in verse 34, it calls out two dynamics. It says, you know, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, And then toward the bottom, it says, wives, respect your husbands. So when you're zooming in and you're saying, okay, well, why would that be particularly important to a guy? We already know love is particularly important to a woman, and that's why husbands, hey, number one thing, love your wife sacrificially. So why would it kind of flip over to the wives and say, hey, respect is so important? Uh, Here's why. Um, Because we're to make our mission, uh, if you're a wife, you make your mission to encourage him every day. Uh, Husbands need encouragement. Now they need other things too, of course. Um, But the 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 sense of being appreciated is just built into how what it is to be a guy. Okay, so it's just a little bit of different chemistry. Not for everybody. I mean, there's a spectrum of all these things. But in general, um, if if you were to look at your man and say, "Hey, would you do you like being appreciated?" They're gonna say, "Yeah." And you like being recognized for what you're doing? Yes, of course. Uh, do you enjoy when people respect you for who you are and what you've done and what you're doing? Of course they do. And, and so one of the ways you can love your husband well is you can say, I want to be a daily encourager for him, for whatever burden he's carrying, whatever he's got going on, uh, I want to be encouraging to him, okay? So that leads to the second, and that is discover what encourages your husband the most, and note that this could be a different love language than what you speak. So it could be that you speak the the language of service, right? So when people serve you and help you, man, you just love that. You feel so cared for. So then you're serving your husband all the time. You're helping him all the time, but he's not feeling loved because for him, maybe the you know he, he appreciates that. It's not that that doesn't matter, but it's that the thing that he really wants to hear is your voice affirming him, or he really wants to feel your touch, or he wants to... He wants, you, he wants to see that you actually care for him and want him. Okay, so there's di- different people speak different languages. So your, your job, just like the husband's supposed to be figuring out how to make you feel loved, you're supposed to be figuring out, how do I make him feel encouraged? Uh, w- what do I do that makes him the happiest, the most encouraged? And then lean toward that. Philippians 2.4 says, don't look after your own interests, but look after the interest of others. Okay, if you want to have some coaching on that, some help. A really helpful tool from Revive Our Hearts is, and you can get it for free, you go to that web web address and click the Husband Encouragement Challenge, and they'll send you an email every day for 30 days, and it will give you an idea on how you can encourage your husband, okay? And so for 30 days in a row, you can be on track with this whole idea and get into practice, maybe encouraging him in ways that you haven't thought of before You might stumble into something there and find that there are ways that you can make your husband feel appreciated and loved that you you didn't know about before. Okay, so I'd really encourage you to check that out. Third thing, embrace being fun friends, not just serious spouses. So here's what happens, Um, and it happens to me, just like I'm sure it happens to a lot of us, and that is we're dealing with serious stuff in our lives a lot, right? Health problems, kid problems, money problems, challenges, work changes, you know, big financial decisions. There's all sorts of things that are really serious that would occupy a lot of our attention in conversation, right? So it, you think about it, if that's all your marriage is, is serious spouse business, like you, you you might still be committed, but I mean, is that, do you want to live that way for the whole rest of your life together? Or would you like to also be friends that have a good time together? So one of the ways you can step toward loving your husband well is just start to think about how can I do this? Now something really interesting, remember two weeks ago we talked about the Greek words for love? So when it, when it says in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives, it says husbands agape your wives, which is sacrificially love your wives. In Titus, there's another passage that is essentially telling older women how to teach younger women. And it's curious because it says, teach the younger women to phileo their husbands. Remember what phileo love was? Friendship love. I just think that's really interesting. I mean, should we all agape one another? Of course. Should we all phileo one another? Of course. But, you know, you think they're they're picking the Greek words on purpose because they have them to pick from, so it's not random. So here, older women should teach the younger women to befriend their husbands. I think that's worth thinking about, right? Just make sure that that dynamic is true in your life, in your relationship. I think the opposite of that can happen where there's so much serious spouse business to do that you almost become a little bit more like mom and dad to each other instead of husband and wife. And and that's toxic. You don't want that to happen. You want to end up being best friends after all the rocky roads that you'll have to travel together. Um, so make sure you're leaning toward friendship and fun, not just toward, let's, you know, be serious about everything we have to accomplish. Okay, fourth thing, make your home a place you both love to be. Uh, there's a proverb that I know every guy likes. Probably every woman, every woman rolls their eyes when they read Proverbs 27, 15. Uh, one translation says, a nagging wife is like a dripping faucet. You can't escape it and you can't turn it off. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's true. Uh, hopefully you don't know that from experience, um, but, uh, but you wouldn't want that nagging, contentious wife that's always ready for battle, that's always sort of in combat mode. No, it's, it's supposed to be love. There's supposed to be some joy in all of this, and so you want to make your home the kind of place that he wants to be and that you want to be with him, right? So this isn't just like physically like keep your house clean. That's not, I mean, maybe that's part of it, but I think it's really about the spirit of the relationship, right? That both of you are glad to be together. And if, you've, if you sense that that's not the case, then you say, like, I don't want to leave it in that status. I, I, I want to lean toward how, how do we make this a joyful uh, relationship to be in. And then here's the last one. Learn the secrets of spiritual beauty. Um, there's obviously lots of physical beauty secrets out there. You can probably find those on any, any magazine on any rack out there. Uh, great. That's, that's always nice. But spiritual beauty is going to mean more for a lot longer. And so as you think about what it means to be a beautiful person inside, one of the things to start to cultivate, I mean, this goes for all of us, right? This isn't just for women. This ever, all of us need these characteristics. But when I think, what, what is spiritual beauty? Like when you meet someone and you're like, wow, inside, they're just wonderful. What, is that, what does that quality mean? Uh, here, here's a couple ideas for it. It means reflect Christ's love rather than selfish my way thinking. Um, Being a spoiled brat type of a personality is not beautiful, right? It's very repulsive. Um, Displaying the fruits of the Spirit like peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, like those things are attractive qualities for any of us. And then cultivate joy instead of indulging negativity. So many of us are sort of have a propensity to go negative um, and just for our I don't know, the demeanor by which we communicate or the things we choose to focus on or talk about or bring up just all the problems all the negativity there's a place to deal with those kinds of things but but part of being a person who's attractive inside and out is cultivating joy inside and out all right so let's look back at our key verse for healthy marriage and further submit to one another out of reverence for christ if you'll make that the flagship verse of your relationship, whether you're in a relationship right now or the one that you hope to be in in the future, your marriage will be in such a healthier place, and you'll be able to weather storms. Like, things are, it's not, that's not going to make your marriage perfect, but when challenges come, if you're both serving each other, uh, it will be, a, it will still be filled with joy even when there's pressure and stress, okay? So, the, the way of Jesus doesn't promise like a smooth path for everything to go fine, but he does promise the right path. So you say, Lord, that's what I want to commit to. Um, if we wanted to sum it up, say, hey, just set yourself aside. Right, It's right where we started from. Set yourself aside and love. So our final love song of this series um, is the old Nat King Cole, and hopefully we have our love song singer. Are you here, Miriam? Uh-oh, she got stuck in the green room. So, oh, here she comes. All right, wonderful. So... Miriam's going to sing us our final love song, and as you hear this, um, you know, if you're here with your loved one, you can obviously look over at him and wink or something if you want to, Um, but what I'd like you to do is contemplate what this means for you long term, that you would actually be a person who's committed to love, committed not just to the feeling of love being something fun you experience, but committed to the, the commitment of love, all right? Uh, so let's hear the song and then and then I'll come back and wrap us up. For me and you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for making that love. We thank you for giving us uh, the gift of being able to express love in so many different ways. And I pray for the marriages in the room, Lord, that you'd strengthen those relationships. For those in the room who are in dysfunctional or broken situations or right now are facing challenges, I just pray that you'd give them grace and wisdom. And for any who, here who are single and are hoping to be married someday, I pray that you'd lead them to the kind of person that they could share real agape lifetime love with. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that in all the ways that we relate to one another, we would honor you. Thanks for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.